This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience First-hand, the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 as we look ahead to Wednesday's third test between India and England in Ahmedabad. I'm Neil Manthorpe, and over the next hour, I'll be joined by Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison to discuss all the major talking points ahead of the day-night test. We'll discuss what changes England should make, what changes they could make, what effect the pink ball will have, and whether this is England's best chance to win a test series in India for the first time since 2012. We'll also be joined by former England batsman Mark Butcher, who's back on our commentary team, as well as hearing from Zach Crawley, Rohit Sharma, Ben Stokes and Jimmy Anderson. Plenty to get stuck into. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Steve Harmison alongside me for the next hour. Harmy, let's uh, look at the, as as promised, the possible changes that uh, England could make to the bowling lineup. Um, Do they play one spinner? Is Chris Wokes a possibility? Will they play Broad and Anderson together? Um, It's uh, uh, Joffre Archer. Is he an automatic return? Um, And then we've got the the top order to discuss as well. Does Johnny Bairstow slot straight back in? Does Rory Burns keep his place? Goodness me, you can answer. uh, You could spend the next 15 minutes answering those questions. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, Manners. Yeah, good good evening. It's... um... I just I look at what potentially England could do, and then you go on past history. What England have done in the in the recent few weeks with the rest and rotation policies, or when a when a first Test match made four changes. Um, so literally, they could play anybody. Interesting name you mentioned there, who I think actually might just crop up into the equation, and that is Chris Wokes. And I think he will uh, he will crop up. And the reason why I say that is I think he'd either crop up whether England go with one spinner. And I think if they go with one spinner, they probably have to play Chris Wokes 
as the you know, because you see a ball moving, the swing swing coming into play with the pink ball as well as a number eight batsman. Um, and I think that's huge for for England because um, if they do only play one spinner, we'll probably be leech the way things have gone. Um, he's probably bowled the best on this trip so far, and that would leave. Um, number 10s and number 11s from a seam bowling department. So I would imagine Wokes potentially could come into the equation that way. Top order is the one for me. I'm really intrigued to see how England go with the top order. I personally, Manners, I wouldn't play Rory Burns. I'd play Sibley, Crawley and Bairstow. It's one, two and three. I think the way the, the way the top order have played and it'd be interesting to hear what Mark Butcher's got to say about it. When a top order batsman who's out, been out in India but I just think some of the dismissals um, are quite worrying in the subcontinent for me from opening batsman point of view. Both openers are picking the bat up from sort of second, third slip and playing Brat coming down across the line, which is getting them in trouble and why they've been why they've been having their struggles. So for me, I'd go with Crawley, who's fit, big tall guy, plays straight down down ground, and so does Johnny Besto. Um And I, I would punt for Sibley over 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 Burns. But hey, there's a lot to go at. It's going to be intriguing to see what happens um, over the course of the five days. Um, ben Stokes said about the ball moving, and Robert Sharma says we're looking to prepare on a similar pitch to the second test match. So somebody's going to get it right. Uh, hey, let's hear from them, actually. Um, first of all, from, from Rohit Sharma. Now, we've seen a very green square. It looks lush emerald green. I think it's uh, it maybe not the oldest trick in the book, but it's uh, one of the most transparent. I don't think that that's going to bear any resemblance. To I think you know that that you have to keep some grass on it just to stop the pink ball from falling to pieces. But Rohit Sharma was honest enough to say that, uh, as far as he's concerned and the Indian team are concerned, they're preparing for a similar wicket to the one we that we had in the second test. You know, it's still early days to talk about the pitch, but I don't see any. Anything changing in the pitch, uh, what we played in the second test match, it's going to be more more or less uh, more or less going to be on the same page. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be turning as well. So yes, uh, we, we we are preparing uh, according to that, and uh, let's let's see. Uh, you know, when when the day comes, we need to still assess the pitch, what it is doing, uh, because. It's been a while since international game has happened on this uh, ground, so we need to still assess uh, uh, what, what it is going to be like. What do you think, Kami? Uh, we'll hear from Ben Stokes in just a minute, um, but uh, but I, 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 you'll have to take it from what we've seen and heard firsthand about how much grass there is and uh, moist there is in the pitch at the moment. You'll have to take an industrial drying machine to it to get it anything like as dry as that second test match pitch was in Chennai. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we'll find in the, the course of this selection for both sides, but I think if you look at the, the England side, I think England will look to prepare a team ready for what the pitch was like second test match in Chennai for the fourth test match in Ahmedabad because of the amount of sun that's going to hit the pitch while not being played on. So I think that's what will come into the, the equation. You need a bit of grass on it to keep the pink ball um, from from deteriorating at, at such a rapid speed, um, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the India side is. If India go in with three seamers, um, 
three out-and-out seamers and don't play Hartik Pandya, who is in the squad but hasn't really bowled that much in Australia or on the IPL in the last 12 months, then there will pro- that probably gives you a, enough indication that India think the ball's going to zip around a bit as well. So they might play the two spinners, I would imagine, because they both get your depth in the batting in Aksar and, and Ashwin. But if Siraj Ishant and Bumra play, which I probably expect them to, then India will think that the ball's going to do a little bit more than what it would have done, uh, what it what it did in Chennai. Well, you had a long, extensive and fascinating chat to Ben Stokes, which uh, everybody can hear in full at lunch on day one of the test match. But um, England have been practising under lights and interestingly, they're LED lights, which extend all the way around the roof. They're not floodlight pylons, so they're a bit lower. Um, an intense, uh, intense bright light. England, uh, England's bowlers have been practising um, with the, the pink ball under those lights. <laughs> this is what Ben Stokes had to tell you about it. It was funny, actually, training yesterday, when the, light, when the lights came on, the nets actually got really dangerous. The bowlers had to stop bowling in the nets because we were actually worried that some of the batters were actually going to get injured because the ball started jumping off a length and a few guys actually got hit. Um, so we had to take the bowlers out to the middle to finish off their spells. Um, whether or not that's going to be a similar thing out in the middle, we're not sure. But you can definitely tell the difference from bowling with a red ball in the sort of in the normal times you, you see a test match being played than when you have a pink ball in your hand and the lights are on. Well, the bowlers will be hoping, Manners, that they do it does zip around <laughs> and it is jumping around off a length after what they've just bowled in, in Chennai. But I would imagine that the net surfaces and the, the, the actual pitch in the, in the middle are completely two different things, two completely different things. So, look, it's going to be fascinating. Rowett or Ben, one of them's going to get it right. Um, and I'd imagine that gives England that little bit of hope because, you know, we talk about the interview with Ben Stokes. It was fascinating and it was brilliant the way he spoke honestly and openly and you hear the whole thing in full on, on lunchtime on day one. Um, but what he, he did talk about was some of the players that he's got in his side and yeah, they're going to have to really stand up and be counted if England want to win this series because England need to win two more test matches to be to be in the, the, the World Test Championship final in June in, um, in at Lords against New Zealand. Um, and Ben sounded in confident mood. It's a two-test series. That's one way of looking at it for yeah. England now. It's a two-test series. They've got to win it 2-0 to, uh, to make the, the World Test Championship showpiece. Um, given that, are you hopeful that there might be some flexibility in the plans, the selection plans that seem to have been made weeks ago, if not months ago, even before England left these shores and, and landed in India? Big decisions around selection appear to have been set in stone. So if you need to win this test match, would you, if, would you just say, you know what, let's just put everything to one side and talk about winning this test match you know, at all costs. And would that mean Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad playing together? Yeah, I think them conversations would have would have been taken. Um, I think when you look at the first two test matches, it was a four test match series as a whole. There was people coming in and people coming out. Now, we have got two test matches. Like you say, it's a two test match series where everybody that's here now is going to be here for both test matches. So how do we get the best out of both about our 17 players to win um, these two games and well, like I said at the top it'd be interesting on selection point of view to whether they go I personally I wouldn't unless uh, unless Joffre Archer was 100% fit and when and fast bowlers are, are, are very rarely that I would potentially keep the Archer Stone 
wood for the next test match when it's going to be flatter. But then there's the argument of, well, if this if we don't win this test match, it's no good anyway. So that's the conundrum that these guys are going to have in a selection policy. If you play Broad Anderson, you're looking at potentially that number eight spot, having to play Dom Bess as your second spinner because there's a little bit of a baton worry on having you know, four number 10s from, from eight down over. Um, so then Wokes comes into play if it's going to zip around, which then, for me, takes one of Broad Anderson out of the equation because then I'm probably going to need a little bit of pierce. So this is what will be going through the selection policies, mind. I wouldn't have a problem with playing Broad Anderson, not one bit, especially in, the, in, in this test match, if it's going to zip around a bit. But I think, most importantly, England have got to get their batting sorted. They're bowling. I'm not worried about. It. They've got a pool of about eight, nine bowlers out there in 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 India, who can take. I believe who can take 20 wickets on these two surfaces that are going to come up. I need my batting to turn up. Seven batsmen. That's including Ben Folks, to say right. I'm going to get 400, 450 on the board because without that, England don't stand a chance of winning one. Never mind two Test matches. England have been spoilt over the years with their batting depth, Harmy. But I'm surprised to hear you talking about picking bowlers because they can bat a bit. I, I, that's not the army that, that no. I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I think if you if you look at it, if you go down and pick Broad Anderson, you've got to pick Leach. There's there's you're all the way down to number nine there, who are very very similar in their batting unit. And you've just seen, fair enough, second innings, Ravi Ashwin, the game was was probably out of England's reach, but Ravi Ashwin at number eight comes out and gets hundred. We've we've just had Mo and Ali batting at number eight. We could potentially have Chris Wokes batting at number eight. They've both got Test match, three figure scores. Bess is a, a prolific fifty getter from England's point of view because he in the games he's played, he's always seemed to get stuck in and he gets his fifties. And I I still think to get win in India, you have got to get a big score. And that big score from having a number eight that can bat, you go from potential four hundred to potentially get into 500. And that is a huge jump when you're looking to take wickets in the subcontinent and win cricket matches. Mm, good point. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll hear from uh, Jimmy Anderson. But next, we speak to the former England batsman, Mark Butcher, as we continue to look ahead to the third Test match. With every ball, live and exclusive here on TalkSport 2. And don't forget, Butch will be part of the commentary team for the next two Tests. Ben Folks has another one. Moen Ali around the wicket. He's going into the left side. He's got plenty of this one. Has he got enough? Oh, you bet he's got enough. Akshar and Jaruta swept into the left side. Top edge. Cortez. Short backwards square leg. Moen in. Pant down the pitch. Back over Moen's head. And it's way, way, way over long off all the way to six. You don't want to go off and put the kettle on here, do you? You're going to miss something. <laughs> Every single ball, something's happening. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Remember, we'll bring you every ball of England's third test against India from Ahmedabad, live and exclusive here on TalkSport 2. We're on air at 8am on Wednesday morning with an hour's build-up. A man who will be part of the team throughout the rest of the series is the former England batsman Mark Butcher, who joins us on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 right now. Um, having done the first two test matches on the television commentary team in India 
the first question, the burning question for me, Butch, is are you in quarantine? And were you dipped in sheep dip and, and, and disinfected <laughs> when you landed? <laughs> I am, I'm in self-isolation. I got back. When did I get back? It would have been the 18th, so Thursday Thursday night. Um, so day one of my self-isolation was Friday. Um, and providing I get a... I need to get a negative test um, done on Tuesday, which would be my day five, uh, which would then mean, once I've got the results, that I can work... Um, I can work starting day two of the test match. So you're on your own for, for day one, I'm afraid, no matter what happens. You, uh, self-isolation as in no family? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the house, yes. By yourself? Yes. Sort of locked away in, a, in, a, in an annex. Well, just, you know, spare room. <laughs> <laughs> and how does that compare to, to life in the, in, the, in the commentary bubble when you were in India? Well, I mean, I had a butler in the in the in Chennai. <laughs> Seriously? So, um, so yeah, no, so it, it compares very unfavourably. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I did. Uh, what was this? So I was in Sri Lanka first for the uh, for the for the first tour, um, and had to do ten days of, of self isolation quarantine um, when I arrived there. And we had beautiful balcony, which sort of looked out over the looked out over the uh, the, the bay. Um, and the beach, etc. So that wasn't terrible. Um, and then when when we got to Chennai, we had to do another six days quarantine from sort of the from Sri Lanka to be able to work in um, in India. Um, which I mean, hotel magnificent. As I said, literally have a butler, a guy called Divas, who was absolutely sensational. Looked after me unbelievably for twenty days. Um, uh, but no balcony, couldn't get outside. You know, so you're sort of, you are literally hermetically sealed inside a, a room where you can't open the windows for for that amount of time. So I mean, it's it's a, a bit of a challenge, um, but much easier for much easier for me than I'm guessing it is that it is for the players who some of whom have been doing this for for months and months on end. Well, Butch, we've had enough of the sun and butlers and you know, we've been on the 17th floor watching it dark and rain and, and everything that goes with it. So welcome to our world when you get here on the second second day of the third test match. What One thing that um, we don't get from being well, from being 17 floors up in, in London is what it's like on the ground. What's mm. it What's it like over there on the ground as in, you know, when the, you know, the in and around the team, the team environments? Well, I mean, we, we we're kept very much away from the team. We we were in a, a very strict bubble. The whole production crew um, and commentators were in one bubble. The players are in a different hotel. Uh, we, we weren't even allowed to, to mingle with them at the ground. Um, so we would we would have to get to the ground at sort of seven o'clock in the morning to get pitch reports and various other you know pre pre match stuff done. Um, sort of two hours before the first ball went down every day, just so that we were clear. Um, clear of doing all of that stuff before the players arrived, so that, that's how you know that's how strict it is. We're, we're, they're kept very very separate from us. Um, so you know, the, the, in terms of of anything to report, we we sort of get in, do our job, they do theirs, and, and we talk about it, and never the twain shall meet really. But I mean, you know, the the, the series, as you would expect in India, is uh, is very very high profile. I mean, the team came back as sort of conquering heroes from from the Ashes series. Um, and perhaps you know, perhaps there was a, a sort of a metaphorical hangover for them as far as the first Test match was concerned. Um, but of course, England winning that first one meant that, that, that the whole thing um, was spiced up immeasurably in terms of um, you know press and 
uh, you know, just the general interest from the from the public once they went one 0 down. So, listen, the series is the series is very hot, and everybody is is very keenly awaiting what happens at this super stadium up in uh, Ahmedabad. Yeah, you mentioned the stadium. Yeah, the the series is hot. It is. It's. I think it's it's fascinating what's going to happen in the last two test matches and the the, the spin friendly wicket that we got in Chennai for the second test match, mm. and all chat that's been going around. Rohit Sharma saying we're potentially we, we want another spinning pitch. Jimmy's saying yeah. you know the grass on the wicket is probably not going to reverse swing. Ben Ben Stokes has come out and we had a chat with Ben and Ben said the movement was was quite substantial with the pink ball under light. What what do you make of what the third test match is, is gonna be bearing in mind you've been listening to whispers from the commentary box? Yeah, well I mean look First of all, let's go back to let's go back to the to the the last test match, right? Mm. If, if India if India prepare a, a turning track or pre- prepare a pitch that is um, that provides home advantage, then fair play to them. I have no issue with that. And nobody, as far as I'm concerned, uh, as far as I can recall, has said anything about pitches turning. Um, I think the cricketing world and people who've played the game would all have a problem with the ball going through the top um, from yeah. ball one. Which is basically what the pitch, the last pitch did. Um, so, so let's clear up the, you know, the turning pitch. No, who, England played on two two turners, raging turners in Gore, and nobody nobody made batted an eyelid because they turned from ball one. Not a problem. The pitch in Chen, the first pitch in Chennai was very very flat. You know, you can have your own view on on pitches that are over flat. My issue always, any surface anywhere in the world is ball going through the top on a pitch that is so underprepared that it had no surface. And that was basically, you know, I'm, I'm talking with somebody who was there. Lots of people making comments about a pitch that they haven't actually physically seen. I was there. We all looked at it and thought, well, if this, this game goes beyond two and a half days, it will be a miracle. And the only reason it went beyond two and a half days is because India got so far ahead of the game on day one after a pretty, a pretty lousy performance in first innings with bat and ball from England. That uh, that they were able to stretch the game by by having another bat, you know, when they were when they were already two under the head in first innings was plenty. Let me tell you, well, it turned out that way, didn't it? England didn't make three hundred in the two goes that they got. So, <laughs> but um, what have you been saying to people who say, well, um, India scored over six hundred runs on it and the pitch was never dangerous? I mean, I, I understand yeah. completely what you mean about. The ball exploding, um, going through the top has no surface. The groundsman obviously had to prepare it much, much earlier, and it was in the sun, baking and drying out during the whole of the first Test match. But yeah. um, you mean, know, there, there was there no was danger, was there? No, there wasn't. There wasn't any danger. All I'm saying to you is this: <laughs> is, that, is danger the only criteria for what for what makes it a good surface? And by the way, it, just because one team scores a lot of runs on a pitch, it doesn't mean mean it's any good. I mean, the same way that if, if a couple of batsmen make noughts on a flat one, it doesn't make it a bad pitch, you know. <laughs> um, when Ashwin, Ashwin made, made his 100 in the second innings, India were 300 ahead before he'd even taken guard. You know, there, there's, you know, there's a lot of, there are little nuances in it. But, but, but my wider point on all of this is, is that if, if we are saying that it's fine for the ball to go through the top from day one, then we may as well, make test match cricket three days or four days because that's all you're going to need, you know, if that's okay. But you so, might not have heard this, um, but let's hear what Zach Crawley said the other day about he reckons England might have a, a significant advantage with the pink ball. Stuff playing to our hands, I think, like, um, quite well. You know, you know, we, we, we've grown 
and after with those conditions, trying to play the ball late with seeing um, conditions. So you'd say we'd be more, you know, adapt to it than um, than the Indians, and you know that's probably why they're you know they're they're, they're unbelievable players of spin because they've grown up with it. So it's, it's it's interesting to see those battles of where people have grown up and. You know, as it seems and swings, I think that could play nicely into our hands. All right, Butch, let's end the pitch talk. Um, let's talk about the optimism that seems to be around England's um, chances in the, because it's a day-night game, pink ball, etc. It's going to favour the seam bowlers. Do you think there is an excess of optimism? Um, I, th- I think it's. I think it's wise to kind of to take any to take any positive that you can after a, after a result like the last one for sure. Um, but look, I mean. <laughs> You know, it's not as though India have have seen bowlers that aren't any good. They've just won back-to-back series in in Australia, for goodness sake. Um, and you know, the the likelihood is that whilst whilst we are in the in the game, India will also be in the game too. You know, the, the other the other positive from England's point of view is that you know, India just were bowled out for 36 the last time they played one of these matches, albeit it was first session in bright sunlight. You know, <laughs> you know, it wasn't even under the lights. So look, you take whatever you take whatever psychological advantages you can get, um, and England will feel uh, with a bit of luck that they're able to pick their. You know, Jimmy Anderson will, will be back, no doubt. Um, they'll be hoping Joffre is fit from the elbow injury, and um, you know they'll be hoping that they're back at full strength again. Whether Johnny Bairstow comes in for Dan Lawrence or whether Zach Crawley has recovered from that nasty wrist injury or not, will mean that England are, are pretty much at whatever their first choice eleven might be. Um, all of which, you know, means nothing if you don't put first innings runs on the board. Now, we've watched England play over the last, what was it, seven away test matches, or I have. I've been at the ground for all of them. Um, and in the ones that they, the, the six that they were successful in, they made big runs first innings. Um, and the one that they just recently lost, or the, if you add on the, the first test match of the South Africa series, which happened um, at, at, at Christmas 2019, they scored no runs first innings in that one lost. They scored no runs first innings in, in the last one in Chennai and lost. So it's going to be a case of can you put the runs on the board to give your bowlers a chance to optimise whatever advantage there might be with the pink ball. Speaking of runs on the board, Butch, and your speciality, opening the baton uh, or the top order, how concerned are you with the numbers one, two and possibly three? <laughs> um, I'm not concerned, but it would be it would be nice if, you know, so for example, Rory Burns, that first innings at Chennai on, the, on that absolute road, um, you know, imagine how many times he's woken up in a cold sweat thinking about that reverse sweep just before lunch on day one at 33. And then what's happened since is, is what can happen in India. You know, you get, uh, you get conditions whereby the bowlers ought to be on top and you make none. So confidence starts to go a little bit. I, I'm not worried about Dom Sibley in the slightest um, he's a, he's a run making machine, give him a chance to get in and he will make runs. No problem there. Um, and obviously England had to sort of make do amend a little bit with the, with number three and Dan Lawrence, who um, you know had had that call even fit, he would have batted there for sure. So it, it'll be interesting because they've now got a choice to make: um, do they stick with Lawrence? Is that Crawley fit, or do they just bring Johnny Bairstow in, who played well without making a big score in uh, in Sri Lanka before he had his R and R? Butch, I just had a quick word with management and they're going to see if they can organise a butler for you for the third <laughs> test just to make you feel at home, all right? Yeah, we're going to bring I, Sam Allard in. 
I'd be a little bit disappointed if I didn't get some sort of treatment like that. (laughs) (laughs) Many thanks to Mark Butcher, who'll be part of our award-winning commentary team for the third test against uh, England, uh, between England and India from Ahmedabad, which starts on Wednesday. Don't forget, every ball, live and exclusive, here on TalkSport 2. But next up, we'll discuss the effect of the pink ball again and hear from England's Jimmy Anderson. 
and uh, and artificial light. England's players will have experienced that. I know they've been training in the <laughs> in the twilight zone. Um, and those LED lights, you chatted to, to to Ben Stokes, that brilliant interview that we'll hear at lunchtime on on day one. Did, did he did he mention the lights at all? It didn't so much mention the lights as in the lights identity itself, but he talked about having more movement and the the lavish movement that. And I, t- and I the reason why I say lavish movement, it is it is very much lavish movement in India because it does nothing the majority of the time. And that's speaking as a fast bowler with experience. So if you start seeing the ball moving, you think it's like Chester Street and Mir, um because of you know the, the amount that that doesn't happen normally in in Asia. So when a bowler gets that, that's why arguably we've got the best in the world. I, I, at our, at our disposal and Jimmy Anderson because with the moving ball he's got 600 and odd wickets there's nobody better so I think that's a positive for England he didn't really say too much on the lights but what he he, he did say was in the net situation uh, there was there was some hairy moments for the batters and that's what England will be hoping and striving for I've played in two day night games manners uh, both in Abu Dhabi both with a pink ball. Um, and in the first game, I remember we won the toss, batted first, and Michael DiVinito, you just couldn't get him out for fun. Uh, great <laughs> Australian batsman, fantastic for Durham. Um, and our declaration came, Dale Benkenstein, somebody who you know very, very well, great captain, great leader. Our declaration both times when we won the game was around about that twilight zone. And it was it was scary how much difference it was. You know, the, We played the MCC... CC11, and there were, there were 20, 30 for three, I think, both times, just simply because we declared when the ball was going to do enough for our bowlers to be at, at our best. And that is something that England will probably have in mind, that if you do get runs on the board, you do bat first, dictate when you declare, then you've got a better chance of getting 20 wickets. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, that the declaration you—it's not just runs on the board; it's uh, it's the time of day. Could be forty, uh, fifty runs, manners. Yeah, no, it's, it is. I mean, it's fascinating, uh, fascinating. I, the good thing that I take out of the fact that Ben Stokes didn't mention the lights to you is that that means they're not a problem. Because uh, mm. if they had been a problem, I think he probably would have said something to you. Um, I thought that Jimmy Anderson played such a big role in winning the first test match and then he sat out the second despite making it quite clear that he would would have preferred to play rather than sitting it out. So, you know, there was an assumption. I'm not alone in making the assumption that he was being saved for the day-night game. So I think, you know, he's one of the names on the team list which is inked in. But before we talk about that, let's hear from Jimmy himself talking about the rest and rotation policy. I can only see positives really coming out of this. Um, we obviously want everyone to be fit in it and you want to win every test match. But I think the amount of cricket we've got this year, uh, you know, we've got to look after the guys that play all formats, especially if we've got bubble life as well. It does take its toll mentally as well as physically. Um, for me, it's going to hopefully keep me going longer. And Stuart will say, this, say the same. It will keep him going for, for longer. And obviously... It, there will be times where we're frustrated where we want to play, but they're taking the coaches and the, the medical team are taking the, um, the thought process that we, we want to keep everyone as fit as possible. So we've got, yeah, we we can sort of pick and choose who who can play at certain times, and hopefully it will benefit uh, those players having a rest every now and then. So yeah, I, I think it it's something that we, we're still getting used to. I'm sure the coaches and medical team are still getting used to it, but I, I think going forward. I think it's a, a positive thing. 
And you mentioned the, the partnership you have with Stuart and, and how well you like bowling with him. And especially in this age of rest and rotation, has there been a point that's crossed your mind that you could have potentially played your last test as a partnership, especially overseas? Yeah, that's that's definitely crossed our minds. But I think, you know, ideally we'd get into a position where that there will be times where, you know, a, a crucial game potentially in a series where they want the experience there of both of us and, and that might get called upon. So we all we can do is, when we get the nod, try to do our best for the team, trying to stay in as good a form as possible, stay fit as possible. And eventually, you know, whether it's in the summer or the back end of the year in Australia, wherever it might be, hopefully we will get the chance to play again. Jimmy Anderson talking to uh, TalkSport 2's multi-talented Scott Taylor, who also produces this show. So that's what I mean by multi-talented. Harmy, um, Jimmy seems in good spirits, yeah. uh, doesn't he? I mean, he mentioned bubble life and the stresses and strains that that can uh, create. But he but he, he looks and sounds good. Yeah, he looks, he, he sounds very, very good. Um, uh, haven't had, been off me long run for quite a bit in the, the last sort of few days of the the last test match and the test match before about the rest and rotation. Um, I've had a, a little bit of time to reflect. I had a good chat with Ashley Giles and Andrew Strauss on a on, on something different during the week. And the way they spoke about it, the way Ben Stokes has spoke about rest and rotation and Jimmy Anderson has spoke about it. I've now put my size 12 firmly in my mouth and put myself back in my box. And I'm looking at going to look at it a different way. I'm not going to try and criticise it as much. And I think it'll be judged on what happens in uh, nine months' time at the end of the Ashes when, like Jimmy said, I don't believe now England have got a bigger pool of players to pick from. They might have had better individuals, but a bigger pool of players to pick from across all formats. And that's only a positive. And if we can keep them all fit for selecting each games, then that's an even bigger positive. So fingers crossed uh, from that point of view. I do believe Jimmy Anderson has been wrapped up in cotton wool for this test match alone. Whether England can get brought in here as well, I'm not actually sure, um, but it will be interesting and intriguing to see. In this winter so far, on these sort on these subcontinental pitches, Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad have arguably been two of our best bowlers, seam bowling-wise. So they both performed very, very well in Sri Lanka. Nobody, no seam performed really that, that well in, in the second test in Chennai. Jimmy was brilliant in, in the first test. So if we see them again overseas, you know, it might just be... You know, a one-off, um, and this could be that one-off because if they if really feel the ball can can make the ball talk, then there's, there's, there's not many better than Broad and Anderson. So it'll be intriguing to see how it um, how it transpires on uh, on Wednesday morning when well Wednesday afternoon, sorry, when the toss does go up and and Joe Root gives the England eleven. I'm really interested to go back to your conversation with Ashley Giles and uh, and what it was that made you more receptive and, and empathetic towards the, the rest and rotation thing. I mean, there has to be a lot of educated guesswork because you can you can rest a fast bowler from a back-to-back test match situation by, you know, and say, we, we worried about your hamstrings, your shoulder, your, you know, the physical aspect of things. But 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 to to be preemptive, which is what this is all about, to take players out of the bubble before they become too sick of it, um, in order to try and, as I say, be preemptive rather than reactive. It, it, it's um, you... man. Sorry, I'm just going to jump in there. What was said because there's a lot talking about um, Sam Curran mm. and Ashley Giles explained to me what, what Sam Curran was going to have to do to get to India. 
So the reason why Sam hasn't gone is he couldn't charter a flight. He wouldn't allow a charter a flight because he's on his own. If there was more than one, then there was potential. Sam Curran would have to get a flight from England to uh, Mumbai or London to Mumbai. Mumbai then on to Ahmedabad because there's no direct flight across there. If Sam Curran sat within three rows of somebody who had tested positive for COVID, Sam Curran would have to sit 14 days in a, in, in a, in a, in a I think, an India hospital or a, a government... Quarantine centre. Quarantine centre mm. to, to then to be allowed testing to then get out. If Sam Curran became positive, he then had to go in there. All this stuff that came about, the way, the way it's been described, I wouldn't put, if I was in charge of a team, I wouldn't put any individual through what, what the potential Sam Curran would have to go through, even if he was going to play in that last test match. So for anybody that wanted to uh, thought about criticising, I had a little bit of, well, why is he not going? When it was explained to me, I would be, I would be very, very hacked off at my bosses if they asked me to do that. I think I might have gone a step further, Harmy, and refused to go if yeah. somebody had told me to do that. I probably would have as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to come back to, to Mark Wood, who's another player who, who might not play. Um, he doesn't even have a, a, a central contract, a, a, a test match central contract. He was also talking during the week, and as always, he was in brilliant form. Um, is, is he the battering ram? Is he England's battering ram that won't be used? No, um, that wasn't uh, something that I got labelled with. Um, obviously, he had Harmy as the Ashton Express. And because I'm his junior, I got the Ashton choo-choo train. So I'll stick with that. <laughs> He's managing to keep his sense of humour, isn't he? Did you see the clip of him doing lengths in his I bath did. in I did, quarantine? Yes. <laughs> I did. I've had some communication with him with that. He was The only thing he said was he couldn't find armbands to put on at the same time. <laughs> it, this kid is bonkers. This kid is mad. In every way positive for a team and when you talk about being in bubble life and in being in the the, the, the sort of tough surroundings you, not everybody's the same Jimmy Anderson gets labelled as captain captain miserable but you need people like Mark Wood whether he's playing or he's not playing and I think the balancing act from ECB is to make sure that you get enough cricket inside these guys to keep them fresh to keep them as the personalities they are because the one thing about the game manners and you know more than anybody else because of the cricket you've watched the best players in the world have all got character they've all got personalities and during this bubble life we need them all to come to the fore and England are going to need Mark Wood and they're probably going to need him in that fourth test match Let's hope so. Let's hope he let's really hope he gets a game. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two and our preview of the third Test match between India and England from the Sardar Patel Stadium in Ahmedabad. Still to come, we'll hear more from England's Ben Stokes, but it's time now to get the Indian perspective as broadcaster and cricket writer Chetan Narula joins us. I have never seen a player like that. Oh, Peterson climbs into his work and then he's out of here. Woo-hoo. Big one. That's a big one. That's maximum. I always make the joke he's the best player that's played for England. And Marcus Druscotic's the best Englishman. Try to do that to be funny, but try to see it also how good this kid was. Oh, wow. Innovation class from Peterson. Kevin Peterson. Welcome to the team. Kevin Peterson, welcome to the team. 
You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and our preview of Wednesday's third test between India and England in Ahmedabad. Every ball will be live and exclusive on TalkSport 2 with the England great Kevin Peterson joining our award-winning team. We're on air from 8am ahead of the 9am start. But it's time now to get the Indian perspective ahead of this test match with the broadcaster and writer and TalkSport regular Chetan Arula. Um, Chets, great to to have you with us. Um, Is there such a thing as momentum? And if there is, can India maintain it from the second test match? Or are we talking about a completely different set of circumstances? Thanks for having me again, Neil. Um, Yeah, I mean, there is momentum in sport that's always been defined as... uh, uh, as a quantifiable asset for any team which has had you know a few games on the winning run but can we really say that about this this series at this juncture because the pink ball test is a totally different situation isn't it under lights the pink ball dew uh, india looking at spinners and paces what is the right combination england looking at different combinations so i'm not sure if either side has that winning momentum of course there will be question marks um, will will the pitch turn as much as it did in Chennai? If not, will England have the upper hand or will it be India having the upper hand as the hosts? Rohit Sharma says that, um, well, he told, he told his, his press conference that uh, they were <laughs> expecting a similar pitch to the second test. But <laughs> we've only had a look at it from afar. It doesn't look anything like it. It looks quite green at the moment. Is that all a bit of trickery? Could be. Um, <laughs> there's always this element of trickery and uh, uh, holding your cards back. Uh, look, pink ball will always need the grass there, a bit of grass there, because it needs to retain that shine. The ball needs to last 80 overs. Otherwise, what's the point of playing a day-night test with a pink ball? So I'm expecting a little bit of grass to hold the top surface together. So we might not see dust coming off when Ashwin is bowling on day one or or, or Jack Leach is bowling on day one. But uh, I think, I just think, they would want a turning track, a track which is unlike the first test, but more like the second test, if not exactly like the second test pitch. Um, but it won't, would, uh, but wouldn't it be a miracle of sorts if we get a pink ball test match on a very, very spin-friendly wicket? Because we haven't seen pink ball being used on spin-friendly wickets, so that would be a novelty. And Gene, the, the, the comments that have come out this week, you know, uh, yeah. Manners, Manners, this is going to be a fascinating test match. It could be ended in a day and a half because Rowett <laughs> says he wants it to spin. Anderson says there's got, probably going to be no reverse swing because of pink ball timings and the, the, the grass around the surfaces. So the nest of surfaces abrasive, then we're, we're, that potentially could make a reverse swing. And Ben Stokes said there was some challenging conditions with movement with the pink ball. So this, it, it, it's all set for a day and a half test match. But Cheaton, will India change their side on their second or the, their second all-rounder? I.e., will they bring in a seaman all-rounder because of the pink ball? And what sort of impact is Ishant and, and Bumrah going to have? Well, first of all, if it's a one-and-a-half-day test match, I'm not sure Indian cricket fans will be very thrilled. The last pink ball test India played, that didn't really go to plan two-and-a-half days um, in Adelaide. Um, so they'll be hoping for a longer test match. Um, India will definitely bring in changes. There, will, there is no way they're going to play three spinners uh, with a pink ball test. Uh, I don't know the condition of the pitch, what will be the final condition of the pitch, but there's no way they'll play three spinners. I do expect one additional pacer. Um, and then the shout-out to be between the second spinner's slot. So, 
Uh, it could be, uh, well, Bumrah will definitely play. Bumrah will definitely pay, play. Ishant playing his 100 test match. He's been a soldier for Indian cricket. Probably a better bowler in the latter half of his career than the early half or the latter quarter in the last 25 test matches. He's been absolutely magnificent. Jaspreet Bumrah, well, he'll be a handful. And the third play Pacers uh, spot could be up between Umesh Yadav and Mohamed Siraj. I would continue to play Mohamed Siraj because he's been playing regularly. Umesh Yadav just coming off an injury, but uh, the Indian team management is known to make weird selection calls. Um, I think if it is a pace-friendly wicket, if there's too much grass on the pitch, then you bring in Hardik Pandya, you shore up your batting a bit and you get that extra seam option because uh, three Pacers might be an unknown quantity there. Um, but if it is not too much grass, if it is going to take turn, like Rohit Sharma said, he expects that wicket to take turn, then you would continue to play Akshar Patel because he has that accuracy. And if the pitch wears down, you never know how it's going to, to going to behave. So definitely Bumrah coming back into the side. Uh, I think it'll be a toss-up between uh, the second spinner and Hardik Pandya. Hardik Pandya, what's up with him? I saw a picture of him on social media the other day without his shirt on. He's got a... He's got a hell of a six-pack, and he's got a hell of a body all round. But is, it, is he bowling fit? Uh, that's going to be the big question mark, isn't it? I mean, look, he bowled in Australia a few overs. What I've, from what I understand from the team management is that uh, he's told them that he's building his bowling fitness, keeping in mind the English tour later this year, as also the T20 World Cup. So uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be in the frame of this test match, whether he's going to bowl or not. So these are going to be questions that only the team management can answer. But if he is bowling fit, if he's if he's in the squad, he's in the test squad, not just to bring up his fitness as is seen from his pictures, um, probably he's in the squad for this particular test match, keeping this particular test match in mind. So... Again, uh, the bowling question mark, only the player himself and the team management can answer. But if he is bowling fit, if he can bowl five, six overs, send some overs down, then I think he will be in, in reckoning for this test match, definitely. And Jitin, the, the crowd that's potentially going to be there, the stadium looks absolutely amazing. We've seen it when when it was full, when, Trump, when Donald Trump was there. What's it going to be like with potentially we're hearing up to 50,000 people in it? Oh, it's going to be a massive crowd, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be exactly one year from Donald Trump's event at that ground. If I remember correctly, that was February 24 of last year. So we're going to have a test match there, the first cricket international cricket game at the same venue a year on. Um, 50,000, it's a huge crowd. It's a huge crowd. In fact, it would have filled up the stadium in Chennai. It would fill up most most of the grounds in India. Grounds in India are massively bigger than, say, some of the grounds in England, uh, even New Zealand for that matter. But this is something else. This is something totally else. Um, you look at Eden Gardens, 70,000, 80,000 capacity. This has 30,000 more. So it's a massive ground, massive stadium. Motera, uh, when, when, when it was the old stadium, I have visited the old stadium a few times, even that was a massive ground. So they've just uh, built on that ground and, uh, they've, and, they, and it looks like they've done a terrific job. Can't wait for, for the game to begin. Chets, brilliant to have your company once again. Enjoy the test match and uh, we look forward to reflecting with you during it and maybe afterwards as well. Enjoy the game. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to uh, Chet and Arula. Now, before we wrap up, Harmi, uh, we've already heard 
Uh, ben Stokes uh, giving us some indication of what we can expect with the pink ball under lights. You had a long chat to him, um, and everybody can uh, tune in and listen to the whole interview in full at lunchtime um, on the first day. But but just give us a bit more of a teaser. What else did he have to say? Well, it was fascinating having a chat with a former teammate of mine, Ben Stokes, who's turned into a fine, fine young man and a, a, a fantastic cricketer. He talked about captaincy, and potential rest and rotation, which was... A, you know, he spoke well of the rest and rotation policy and the captaincy of when he took over from Joe Joe Root last year for one game and potential of doing it again and a great insight to what he what happened with Stuart Broad in that in the test match down at Southampton. He talked about the crowd and what happened in Chennai and what potentially could be happening in Ahmedabad. But the thing I like most when he talked about Ollie Pope. He talked about what a fantastic young player he is, what he is and is what he's gonna be. He's for me if there's going to be someone to take over Joe Root's records that he sets, Popey, I, 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 yeah, I just see him train, see him play, see the way they goes about the game. The more games he gets under his belt, the better he's going to get. Um, the more he gets exposed to different situations at such a young age, it's only going to do him the world of good. Well, Manners, that was a it's a it's a great listen to to Ben Stokes the way he talks about the, the game and what's been happening over the course of the last twelve months and what's going to happen over the sort of next nine months, getting to where the Ashes and a lot of lot was talked between Test matches about how yeah, good and bad England performed, rotation, pitch, and stuff like that. But accountability, and I think accountability will 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 definitely come in these next five days. This this Test match coming up because you know, they will need their senior players to stand up, and Ben's definitely one of them. And a reminder: everyone can listen to the full interview at lunchtime on day one. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two, and our preview of the third Test match between India and England in Ahmedabad. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can listen back to the podcast from the following on feed available on the free TalkSport app. We'll be back for live and exclusive commentary of that third test this Wednesday morning here on TalkSport 2. We're on air from 8am. Thanks for listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 